All right, boys. You may have heard about this podcast host, John Rambo. Thinks he could come on to my show? Come on and start discussing opinions on movies that I don't agree with? Oh, no. I'm the law on this show, and we're going to find him, and I'm going to debate him. Ha! Oh, whatever possessed God in heaven to make a podcast host like Rambo. God didn't make Rambo. I made him. He has a voice more affected than Michael Barbaro and Ira Glass combined. He advertises on Casper mattresses, not the other way around. He's the one who killed Heyman Lee just so that Sarah Koenig will have an idea for cereal. And that's my fucking doing. Huh. All right. He sounds like a tough guy. Okay, we won't have him on the show. He can just go run around in the woods then. Oh, okay. That's easy. How about you and I just talk? Okay, yeah. So just like the old times without conflict? Yeah, forget that guy. Okay, yeah, he kind of sucks. He thinks Joe Rogan has good ideas. Ooh, no thank ye. Toot Oh, wow, that one was it. You, you put a, did a little writing on that one. I, I did, I did. I put pen to paper. Can you tell the difference, dear listener? A full-on parody. Oh, my goodness. Hello, yeah. everybody. Welcome to Box Office Time Machine. I am John Bershad, not Rambo. I am Veronica Yurovsky, also not Rambo. <laughs> but but uh, uh, interestingly enough, your college nickname was Sheriff Teasel. It it was, but that was because I was a big cock tease. <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> I can just imagine the weirdest nerd at like uh, college film class being like, "Oh, you know that girl? She's a real Sheriff Teasel." What does and, that mean, dude? Yeah, what does oh, that mean? It's a reference to the, the you know, the, the, the Brian Dennehy character. What? You know, from First Blood. Oh, uh, whatever, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. What do we do on this show, Veronica? Uh, we talk about the number one movie at the box office, whether it's this week or X decades ago. And this week, we have gone back four decades, four full decades. That's half a Sylvester Stallone to talk about, <laughs> probably even more half than half, uh, to talk about Rambo, colon, First Blood. Well, actually, no, there's no Rambo in the title. It's literally just First Blood. No, it is just First Blood. This is, of course... The first movie in the the Rambo franchise, based on the novel by uh, says it here somewhere, David Morrell, 
a um a, a movie that is fairly different from the rest of the franchise that follows. But I'll be honest, having never seen it before, less different than I expected. Yes, I think it's mostly different in the beginning, and then it's exactly what I expected at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the most interesting thing uh, with the Rambo franchise is probably the politics of it all. Uh, mm. but, and we can uh, discuss all that um, as uh, experts. <laughs> yeah, as experts politics and Rambo. On the Vietnam War and the politics of the 80s, a decade that we were definitely alive through most of. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, only, we were only there for a couple years, but you know, we were really picking up on a lot of the news. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, I, I'm sure my mom watched Rambo <laughs> when I was in the womb, so... You know. My first words after I was born, uh, my very first words uh, were mama. And my second words were mama, please explain to me the general malaise caused by the uh, after effects of the Vietnam War and the treatment of the soldiers therein. <laughs> <laughs> mama, what is PTSD? Uh, or as they would have called it, Vietnam Vet Syndrome. I do know that. Uh, yes, this is a movie heavily about PTSD, a thing that was not called that at the time. Um, that is perhaps one of the biggest differences of this Rambo and the other Rambos. This Rambo is a sad, broken man. Yes. I I feel like that was probably the most novel thing about this movie, sort of representing these tough macho guys as you know broken children inside i uh i appreciated that i did not need sylvester stallone crying at the end of the movie spelling all of it out for me but still i appreciated that you know he had an inner life that's probably more rich than most characters sylvester stallone played in other action movies him, him crying was actually one of my favorite parts. Uh, I mean, just on a like thematic level, because he. Well, speaking of getting ahead of ourselves, sorry, we're time travels. We do we do that sometimes. I know. Uh, Veronica, you want to do a quick rundown of what this movie's about? Yeah, it's actually a very very simple movie. John Rambo uh, goes to visit one of his Vietnam comrades in a Pacific Northwest town. Uh, He finds out that he passed away. Uh, He gets pulled over by a cop who thinks that he's a vagrant. Uh, And when John Rambo refuses to leave town, uh, he gets arrested. Subsequently, he escapes in a very violent fashion where he basically, uh, you know, punches out the entire police precinct and he goes on Uh, the run to be fair he kicks some of them and elbows some others that's true one of them is uh uh david caruso from csi miami uh and he goes on the run uh semi uh harrison ford style i feel like uh but yeah anyway he goes on the run from this prison and basically the rest of the movie is him trying to avoid an increasingly escalating uh, chase and uh, chase of him, uh, which culminates in a in a giant fire fueled revenge by uh, 
John Rambo onto the whole town, which I guess we'll talk about whether that is commiserate with what happened to him. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. A lot of the deputies in this movie are recognizable character actors. Like you yeah. mentioned David Caruso. There's also uh, Chris Mulkey, who is a, not a, a name that I could pick off uh, uh, off the top of my head, but has been in a, like the moment he was on screen, I was like, oh, that's a younger version of that guy who's in tons of things. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He was Hank Jennings in Twin Peaks. Um uh, and I mean, his- Brian Denny, too. I was like, where do I know this guy from? Uh, and yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people in that movie where you're like, oh, this person. I've seen him on TV a lot. <laughs> well, interestingly, they had been trying to make this movie for a number of years with a mm-hmm. number of stars, uh, a number of different things. And um, from what I, I read, it was really the casting of Stallone, then hot off the heels of uh, Rocky, mm-hmm. uh, ro- the, the, the Rocky and a couple sequels. I don't know how many Rockies have been made at this point, probably two. Um but he was a massive star and growing bigger. And so his casting got this made. He also did a pass on the script that they'd been working working on for a while. Here is a question I want to ask you, Veronica. Mm. What? How would you describe the politics and the message of First Blood, the film? I was kind of surprised by how oddly progressive it was in part oh sorry actually i want to i want to back up what what's your history with this franchise uh then we no, can talk about as you talk about what you were surprised by what did you know about this franchise going yeah in? so my assumption was that this was sort of a reagan era bloodthirst fueled humorless action flick uh you know, where uh, Sylvester Stallone is gunning down non-white people <laughs> indiscriminately. <laughs> and uh, that, having read about the franchise, that seems to be the case in the second and subsequent ones. But yeah, with this one, I was surprised by, I guess it's politics, especially towards the police, which paints them as, I mean, not unlike you know, entertainment that could be made these days. Uh, you know, uh, it was very ACAB, I would say. I, guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, it was. There are a lot of, uh, uh, there is, I, I would argue, sly humor. Uh, not that kind of sly, sly <laughs> Stallone. Um, <laughs> nah. There is... Uh, a sly humor about the incompetence of the police. There's a very funny joke where we have just seen the police get their asses kicked. And it's a big point that uh, uh, Rambo did not kill any of them. And then we cut to the media being like, it was only their great training as law enforcement officers that kept them alive. Um, but there's a lot of stuff like that. Uh, and here's some some interesting stuff. I, I'll go through some of my research on this movie. Uh, but first, I'll say ah, this is my first Rambo movie uh, seen in full, um, mm-hmm. unless you count Hot Shots Part Deux, starring uh, Charlie <laughs> Sheen, which 
probably doesn't count. Um, but this is actually, this is my first Rambo movie. Um, I was aware of the franchise. I was aware of the excess, the kind of 80s excess. I was aware of the the more modern movies, uh, which is their own kind of excess. Um, uh, and I was also aware that this first one was very different, that this was not about a... Uh, in, in, from what I... I thought I knew that this one was not about a uh, indestructible killing machine. It was about a, a sad, broken man um, with PTSD. I knew that he broke down and cried at the end and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, one thing I also had heard a number of times, people always say Rambo doesn't kill anyone in the first one. Uh, Rambo only accidentally kills one man. And having seen this, bullshit. More people died. <laughs> he, oh, he, for when, sure. When he pushes that car into that other car, those people are dead. There's no way they're not dead. That's I mean, a real... When people say Rambo doesn't kill the first one, that's a real Batman doesn't kill kind of piece of bullshit. He kills people. But certainly less than the literal hundreds of human beings that he has shown uh, uh, taking the lives of in later movies. Um... But yeah, so here's some interesting facts about the book and the production. Um, the book, uh, uh, which I have not read, so this is from multiple online sources. Uh, the book is, takes alternating chapters between Rambo, Rambo's perspective and Teasel's perspective. Teasel being the Brian Dennehy sheriff, who's his main antagonist. Mm -hmm. um, and in the book... Interestingly enough, Rambo is a little less sympathetic and Teasel is a little more. Not to where Teasel's more sympathetic than Rambo, but that they are more equal. They are depicted as more equal. The book came out 10 years earlier, 1972. A uh, very different political climate, pre-Watergate, um, uh, pre all sorts of stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. And... Um, Teasel is depicted as a he's a Korean War vet and it's more just like the author was kind of depicting it as a generational divide of two men brought up in in the system yada yada then they tried to make this movie they worked hard on it they spent wrote a ton of drafts and I have some interesting quotes from Stallone on how they finally you know quote cracked it mm. this is straight from the Wikipedia the original Rambo was so bloodthirsty. This is a description of the original script. Because in the book, he does kill a number of people, mm. uh, including civilians. The story was so hard, so terrifying every step of the way. I think that's one reason the book took so long to get done. When I What I did with Rambo was try to keep one foot in the establishment and one foot in the outlaw of frontier image. I wanted him to be accepted by the mainstream, but also be a criminal. So he has some strong patriotic views, and he loves the system. He just doesn't like a lot of people who live and work in it. So from mm -hmm. Stallone's perspective, Rambo's a real, uh, <laughs> Rambo's a real, uh, you know, uh, 
not a cab. He's more uh, a few bad apples spoil <laughs> spoil the bunch kind of guy. He right. literally, from his quotes, loves the system. And then there's another description of him talking about the sequel, where he talks about like it's a difference of perspectives from like the right wing guys on the military and not Rambo is being left wing, but Rambo's as Stallone puts it famous neutrality. Um, <laughs> so Rambo's the kind of guy from Stallone's perspective who goes on a dating app and describes himself as apolitical. Uh, yeah, I'm an independent. <laughs> I decided until the last day. But it, it is interesting that our depiction of soldiers and police in mainstream media, and I'm not talking about the past two years, I'm talking about in the decades that followed this movie, it has leaned so far to the right. Uh, we have valorized police and military so hardcore in, uh, uh, in our media of the uh, uh, past few decades in American media that this movie that the filmmakers were trying to depict as fairly neutral comes across as way more progressive than they intended. Right. Well, I feel like it's, it could be that, and I don't discount that. It could also be just a thing where they, you know, sometimes the way the author intended it, the piece to be perceived is not how it actually is perceived. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I do find it kind of, because I feel like this, by definition, would be sort of d the kind of dad entertainment that even several years later would not allow for any of that nuance to occur. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of interesting how they still even perceive it as not, uh, you know, not as right wing as or not as. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, I guess like fairly neutral. Not as gung-ho, uh, propagandistic. Uh, you know, yeah. Rambo is, one thing is um, that they changed. Uh, Rambo is, compared to the book, Rambo is purely a victim in this movie. Mm -hmm. Not, well, you know, well, for the most part. The police, like, um, in the book, he tries, like, obviously the sheriff, it starts, the sheriff kicks him out of town for no reason. And here's another uh, funny thing with the time changing. Um, it took me a while to watch. I'm watching the scene. I'm like, why does the sheriff hate him so much? And it took me a while to be like, oh, yeah, his hair's long. Yeah. Like, and I just don't wearing, read Stallone like, as like a dirty hippie drifter in any way. Well, I think it's also because he's wearing a, a uniform. It, it seems like at first, and I'm not sure whether that is the politics of the movie or maybe what I took from it. But, you know, from reading about the Vietnam War and how, uh, you know, and I think they mentioned in the movie that he was called the baby killer when he came back from service. Uh, they also I, say he was spit on, which I just want to point out. There are no substantiated stories of that. That is a <laughs> thing that people just say. It may have happened a couple times, but that is just a thing uh, that people say. There are no proven stories of Vietnam soldiers being spit on. So when someone just says that as a fact, know that it is not. Right. But I think they were <laughs> sort of treated badly. If they, you know, if this was not... 
the kind of fawning over that we now have in our society over military personnel. Uh, so I feel like at the time with the Vietnam War, so I also read it as, do they mention it in the movie that the cop was also in Vietnam? Cause I, feel I like- don't think they do. I don't think they do. And I think that is a probably a purposeful decision to make him more just purely thuggish. Yeah, because it feels like it was almost, uh, yeah, it, it felt like it was almost also contempt for his generation's service, which did not seem as maybe as uh, uh, virtuous, perhaps, as the uh, people who fought maybe in Korea or World War II and whatnot, maybe of that man's generation. But yeah, it was very interesting to me to that at the beginning of the movie that scene where I was like so yeah I guess he has long hair and he has a military jacket and that's enough for basically in this town to be like no you don't belong in our Pacific Northwest town which is kind of <laughs> very weird by the way can we pause for a second and compliment that woman's like uh, apartment or a house she lives on the most beautiful lake overlooking a snow-peaked mountain and just hanging yeah and clothes. i think we're supposed to read her as poor but yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> but yeah that's neither here nor there but it was just all of it felt like all of the shorthand that we would later use in movies to indicate the kind of things that this movie wants to indicate would not be the same specifics as they were back then. It, if it seems like maybe we're like stumbling over our words a little bit, I think one of the most interesting things about this movie 40 years on is that so many of the cultural signifiers that this movie intends for you to read, uh, we don't mean the same things right, anymore. Exactly. Least of which the character of Rambo. Um, but like, yeah, it's, it's it, like, it would be fascinating. Um, I, I, I have not seen, I, I'm not as well versed in the Rambo films, so I can't do a rundown of how the politics specifically shifted. Um, I could talk about, uh, I could go on and on about how the Friday the 13th franchise um, gradually got more and more conservative as the 80s progressed. Um, and their depiction of police is one of the major major uh, signposts. But um, different conversation. But like, yeah, less verse on this. But I so I think and also, again, book is written in 1972. Mm-hmm. Different thoughts on Vietnam vets. But yeah, I think we have in America, we had, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> unlike today, hardy har har, the vets were not treated well and given the support they needed. So you had. Uh, well, uh, also- at least like we did not performatively support them. I feel like even today, the vets do not get the support they need. <laughs> No, uh, yeah, that's why I'm joking. That was my, where my okay. hearty har har came from. Okay, sorry. Um, obviously, the VA is a complete disaster. But um, yeah, we we're, we can talk about all of our things about the about the troops now. All of our support the troops things now are primarily recruitment tools. It's right. not at all about uh, supporting people after their uh, bodies are no longer useful to the state. Um, but yeah, at the time. 
you know, soldiers came back. Tons of soldiers had horrible problems with PTSD, uh, which was not, <clears throat> which was not uh, uh, well understood at the time. Um, also, you had uh, uh, a difference between the book and the film. The idea that his, his I, I read this, the idea that his uh, um, compatriot, the last guy from his, uh, his troop, mm -hmm. uh, the idea that that guy died of cancer that is added for the movie because in the between 72 and 82 there had been this growing scandal of uh, Vietnam vets having uh health problems and it being accused of being like uh, caused by the chemicals that they were that they were uh ordered to use like agent orange mm -hmm. while the american government refused to acknowledge that that's what caused uh the health problems um, but so that's an that's an addition uh, from the book. Mm -hmm. But so, yeah, I guess I imagine if we think back to the media of our past, um, that stereotype of the the crazy Vietnam vet, like that was a stereotype for a reason. So, yes, yeah, seeing a guy with long hair uh, appear, uh, apparently an unhoused person walking around with the jacket of a Vietnam vet, that that cultural signifier meant something different when this movie came out. We're supposed to understand why Brian Dennehy is like, get this fucker out of my town. Um, not sympathize with that. Obviously that's the opposite of what the movie is saying, but understand what, where he's coming from. Um, and then of course uh, the military realize uh, after the left, uh, the, the anti-war left heavily tried to recruit veterans um, like some people like John Kerry to be anti-war activists. And they were very helpful at that. That's when the military and the far right started moving further into the uh, uh, quote unquote support the troops and um, trying to uh, uh, untruthfully depict anti-war protesters as being cruel to troops. Yada, 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 yada. But... But everything um, is great now. The world is amazing. <laughs> yeah, the world's great now. We're we're doing the, recording this podcast on election day, and we don't know the results. But uh, people listening in the future, I'm sure the results are great. Uh, <laughs> sure, uh, tomorrow we'll feel better about the country than we do today. <laughs> you said uh, the name David Caruso, and I heard his last name, and I flinched as an LA resident. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, that's true. I mean, uh, Katy Perry loves them, so I'm sure he's A-okay. Katy Perry, Chris Pratt, the Kardashians, all Rick Caruso fans. How could you argue with any of those great, wise people? Um, Gwyneth Paltrow? Oh, my goodness. People I, mean, I relate to and who have similar lives to me. I mean, they're uh, out there <laughs> protecting your property values for you, John, for you. Uh, boy, I wish an unhoused person would go through the city and blow things up. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it, it, anyway, this movie comes out. They have to make a sequel. They hire a bunch of they they talk to a bunch of people. They get a guy to write a story treatment. Uh, the first draft of Rambo 2. I did not know this till today. Written by Jimmy James Cameron. Ooh, Jimmy James. And there have apparently been some debates between Cameron and Stallone because I think uh, Cameron's draft was a little more uh, left wing 
Um, uh, it's a real uh, boomer lefty, that Cameron. And I think a lot of his politics were kind of taken out in the movie that was made. But interestingly enough... Well, also, this- I mean, they couldn't really produce it the way that James Cameron wanted. Pandora was not a viable thing. In- <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, John Rambo... Uh, you know, firing his M16 all the way through Pandora, killing all the ACAB Navis. <laughs> that was that technology did not exist just then. Uh, I mean, I don't know who wrote probably the most famous line from the second Rambo, Cameron or Stallone or who, but the line when he's first recruited, because the second one is that he is recruited to go save POWs, and that's what starts the franchise going out of America. Um, Mm. He goes back to Vietnam, and he has the famous line, do we get to win this time? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Which gives you a bit of the... And that is... I think that line is where the franchise went. Even though in that movie, Rambo still wars with military, like the military higher ups. And then that movie is all about the government uh, and the military leaving POWs behind to die. Cause that was a big news story at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie, like that line, that kind of like, Oh, we got her, we got our butts kicked, but no, we're tough. Show me, show us, make us be, make us look tough. That kind of, uh, uh, feeling is where the franchise went. Yeah, um, it also feels like the kind of sentence that was like the reason why we lost is because we played by the rules and this time all bets are off and we can actually show the might of America the full might of America. I think I, I think worse than we played by the rules. I think there was a real uh, uh, perspective of like, oh, if only those anti-war activists hadn't held our hands behind yeah, our backs. Exactly, yeah. yeah, but it is such, I don't know, much like most things in our life that are bad, I feel like it all just like starts with Reagan. And I feel like that's also like one of those things that is so Reagan inspired. I feel like even the line of do we get to win this time is very similar to win one for the Gipper, you know? Like he he has that. And I mean, Make America Great Again was another thing that he originated. Uh, so yeah, it just feels like so Reagan-y. <laughs> it is amazing to see how in every way the American culture changed during the 80s. Um, and how heavily the rightward swing was and how much it infiltrated all parts of the country. Um, and I, I'm curious. Uh, uh, there's no way to know this. But I wonder if if things had gone differently mm-hmm. and uh, and our generation hadn't, you know, exited school in the middle of a historic recession uh, that tainted our earning powers for the rest of our careers. Um, if we hadn't been born into the downward slump, um, would there have been? Because right now, let's. I would say, I would say, what, would you say the the millennial generation is the age of the baby boomers as the eighties were uh, coming into, you know, around uh, the same age, right? Your thirties yeah, yeah, getting forties. Yeah, yeah. Um. 
I, what would it have taken for our generation to have a full rightward swing as well? Are we at the age where if we had just had a little more comfiness financially, would we have also uh, had our souls drip out of our wallets and sit around going, that Rick Caruso says he's going to lock up all the homeless people and make me not have to see them. Sounds good to me. Well, I mean, clearly it is happening right now. We are recording the day of the election and... You know, the things are, you know, the the vote, regardless of where it falls exactly, is going to be super, super close. That mm-hmm. means that people who age into being a voting age still, you know, still the ideas of the increasingly right wing right still appeal to them. And I think actually... Now we are in many ways in somewhat similar situation as we were during the Carter years that kind of led to the Reagan years. There's uh, unregulated inflation, also, you know, uh, sponsored by corporate greed. There's increasing gas prices. There's a lot of panic about people's... uh, you know, ability to provide for their family. Much of it is fanned by the right, much like it was in, you know, in the Carter years. So, I mean, there's a ton of similarities there. And I guess the thing that frightens me about that is that I thought we already had the sort of the Reagan figure in Trump. And if we need to swing even farther to the right, what does that look like, you know? Like, what is... Because we swung towards Trump in, like, the boom years, you know? Mm. And so what happens when <clears throat> there is... And, I mean, you can't really deny it. Economically, most of the middle class and the lower class is doing very badly. Like, that, that is a fact. Uh, and so where, where would those people go? Where would they turn to next and i don't know that's that's kind of scary i guess <laughs> yeah I, I i think there are differences and this is not just me uh uh i swear we're not like our parents oh um, i mean I, I, there are plenty of differences of course but it just like it feels like there's some fairly stark similarities well right so i mean uh uh the the differences that i'm talking about um are cultural because that's uh, where my dumb dumb brain uh, uh, knows a little bit more, but like first, uh, like yes, obviously, um, <laughs> this election's probably going to go very poorly um, for the left. Uh, I think you have a number number of things. Firstly, there is not really a a left contingent. Like there are isn't really a left to vote for. Uh, but beyond that, also, the baby boomers are much larger. They're still a, a much larger voting block than their parents' generation was at this time, just by pure size. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we are bigger than them. But uh, but then also, OK, you move into the 80s and culture has a full rightward swing as well, which to me says that. All right, fine. Yes, uh, conservative politicians are winning. You know, they're they're winning. Uh, but then also, 
the marketplace is demanding that their con- that like art gets made that agrees with their perspective. Mm-hmm. And I just do not see that currently happening. And maybe we, it is too early to really see. Um, like, I know you uh, there are, there are some things like maybe it's harder to see within it. And there there are some things like obviously you'll have uh, channels that are catering like the CW has decided to cater entirely to an older audience. But I think that has more to do with the death of broadca- uh, right. broadcast networks. Um, I don't like what is there a can you name like a Rambo of right now, like a <laughs> dominant conservative franchise? No, I mean, and I, I'm speaking to be fair to the Rambo fans. I'm speaking more to our Clearly a little blinkered knowledge of the Rambo uh, franchise. Um, right. Yeah, I I think, like, that is definitely true. I think pop culture-wise, basically creating the only right-wing entertainment that gets created is either of the God is not dead variety or the sort of Dinesh D'Souza conspiratorial documentaries or... Uh, so that is definitely true. You're uh, leaving out Daily Wire Productions. Uh, y- yes, of course. Yeah, Daily Wire. And Wires. I know how much you loved their Die Hard in a School Shooter Situation movie. I mean, yeah, and I love their Jordan Peterson show where, that starts like House of uh, the Dragons, but then well, you were de- <laughs> you were really worried about your loss of manhood, and uh, that's really yeah. helped you out. I ju- I just want to be encouraged to uh, stick by my gender role and just be home and you know poop out a bunch of kids <laughs> and support my husband. <laughs> But yeah, I think that is definitely true. And it is kind of interesting considering uh, the economics of, you know, I feel like studios are not necessarily political. I mean, I mean, even places like Disney, they don't necessarily make uh, right wing entertainment, but I feel like they're also very weary about making stuff that is, quote unquote, too progressive that would, you know, catch their ire. Uh, but it is interesting that no major studio is picking up the gauntlet of, you know, having more right-centric entertainment. I mean, I'm sure some of it has to do with the toxicity of the current iteration of the right. I feel like the stuff that it seems to entertain them the most almost is the kind of edgelord bullshit that might not necessarily translate into. Yeah, how do you, how do you make alt-right Rambo? <laughs> yeah, because I feel like, you know, it's sort of the... it's it's. Also, I, I don't like you, Teasel. Also, you drink the blood of babies. Oh, and God. here's my thoughts on the Jews. <laughs> yes. I will chase you to the end of the world, literally, because the world is flat, and we all know it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I just, I guess, like, the last right-wing mainstream things were produced by Clint Eastwood, but I feel like he, even he, is very much of that older 
generation. I feel like his idea of conservatism is still very much the same as it would have been in the 80s, as opposed to what most, you know, mainstream conservatives idea of conservatism is right now. I mean, I, I guess when we're when we're thinking of like uh, conservative media, I guess I think maybe here's the difference is that maybe I'm looking for something that is a little more obvious than has ever existed. I guess what what really you, you should be looking for is media that reinforces the status quo. And I do feel like predominantly uh, the media being made at on multiple levels doesn't really do that. Like if you look at the biggest franchise on earth, you have Marvel and now Marvel does some very specific things. The characters are for the most part coded as progressive left wing, but then they tow the line by having like any time uh, the villains should be say the military um, or police, law enforcement of some kind, though they will always be like, oh, it was this secret rogue subset of right. the military. <laughs> like in WandaVision where it's like, oh, that guy's not FBI. He's secret bad FBI. FBI. The other FBI agents don't like him. Um, but I guess on some level, I think maybe you are right that the polarization has pushed aside so far apart that to cater to the right would be, make you just be purely unwatchable to anyone else. But then also there is the fact that like we were comparing Trump to Reagan in 1984, Reagan won with 58.8% of the popular vote. That was for his reelection. That is insanely popular that is unthinkable and impossible to do in this day and age um legally uh <laughs> it's it's just i mean like right now like the republicans are going to most likely uh <laughs> wouldn't it be great if uh we're wrong um uh but <laughs> yes, have a, let's a, a keep great saying night this so we are proven wrong <laughs> yeah i would love to sound so stupid um uh, but they're they you know they're gonna win, but not by like the not by the pop. They haven't won the popular vote in. Yeah. How? When Bush was the last? Carry. What was Bush the last? Carry. Bush carry. Yeah. Um. So it, it doesn't. It wouldn't make sense. And I guess that's what I'm talking about. That there isn't. No matter where uh, 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 whether the Republicans are in power, there does not feel to be a cultural shift towards them. Because I just don't think the numbers are there. Right. Yeah, that, Yeah, that's very true. But also, I feel like we still are... I mean, Hollywood is producing a lot of, uh, like you said, sort of status quo enforcing things. I mean, the number one movie in the box office this year, I think, is Maverick, right? Mm. And that is very much an 80s movie i feel like a lot of just rah rah usa military great uh one of the biggest franchises we have is the fast and furious franchise which i would argue is very i, I feel like uh vin diesel would probably vote for uh like his character would probably if he could vote he is a convict so probably not <laughs> but like i feel like he would be the kind of person to call himself independent and maybe skew to, uh, you know, to the right on certain issues. Uh, 
I, I don't, I feel like much like we don't have a right wing, a, a, a franchise with outright right wing values. We don't necessarily have franchises with outright left wing values either. I feel like it's mostly, like you said, uh, sort of trying to kind of hog the middle and not really offend anyone in the United States and or China. And so we kind of, we don't really have a lot of outwardly political blockbusters at all. I mean, the, the ones that I could think of are like Mad Max Fury Road and how it is, I mean, about, I suppose, you know, global warming and strong people and all that. <laughs> I mean, we've had a number of movies that have been huge hits that are, you know, uh, uh, the like uh, we've had a lot of satires, um, uh, particularly in the horror uh, realm that have been huge hits and, and very much seem to be uh, leftward facing um, uh, right. that Republican favorite uh, Jordan Peele. Um, <laughs> but like I'm looking at the, the top uh, the top box office for the year, like. A lot of these I didn't see. I'm trying to think about the politics of the Batman. I don't know. We've probably moved way off of topic, but I, I <laughs> the, the politics is probably 40 years later the most interesting part of uh, um, uh, First Blood. But I think we've given that enough time. Why don't we just? Why don't we head back to the movie as a movie? I'll start. Um, I was surprised how much this is. This is like a. It's like the first John Wick. Um, and that I like the first John Wick so much more than the ones that followed because I do think that is a fun that's just a fun structure for an action movie. You introduce a bunch of obvious assholes. They are uh, irredeemably assholes to a guy just minding his own business. That it turns out that that guy is the greatest killing machine on earth, and he spends the rest of the movie beating the shit out of them. That is a very fun-to-watch structure for a movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and as such, I, I I had fun watching this. Right. I also really enjoyed how lean it was. It's a mm -hmm. very simple story, but it really... It keeps you engaged. I mean, I think Sylvester Stallone, obviously, height of his power as an actor, delivers a very compelling performance. I... I, I don't know. I was with him all the way. I think also, despite of perhaps how one note maybe the personalities of the villains are, I didn't find them cartoonish. Uh, I found them interesting, especially I enjoyed the conversations uh, Teasel has with, I forget the name of the commander, but his commanding uh, officer. Troutman? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I felt the like guy it... who trained the guy we were quoting at the beginning, the guy who trained Rambo, played by Richard Crenna. Yeah, I I thought all that stuff was, you know, a lesser movie would not have necessarily given these characters that depth, and I don't know. In ninety minutes, I feel like that movie achieved a lot of, you know nuance that we might not necessarily expect from an action movie i i certainly did not 
Yeah, I liked um, uh, both uh, Krenna and Dennehy. I liked Dennehy a lot. I thought Dennehy was great. Um, interesting fact, one great. of the drafts, as they were trying to crack this movie, one of the drafts had Troutman as the main villain. Um, mm. Had uh, uh, both Teasel and Rambo kind of equally sympathetic and had Troutman, you know, you you trained this guy. like Because that is kind of the thing. It's like the military trained this guy to be a killer and then just, didn't and then war's over all right come home <laughs> have fun bye bye <laughs> don't do those things we taught you bad boy yeah. um over uh, in vietnam yes 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 <laughs> over in america yeah. no 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 um but yeah I, I also i thought the movie looked beautiful the pacific northwest locations it's clearly mm-hmm. you know cl- they're really on a mountain somewhere and it looked great yeah uh, the, the one thing that I say, I do feel as I, uh, said in the beginning, sort of most of that subtlety does go away at the final act. Basically once, I guess like once John Rambo puts that, you know, headband <laughs> over his head, I feel like it, it does become more familiar as uh you know an 80s genre movie and there is i mean just like you said there is a lot of it maybe not as much carnage as in the subsequent movies but he does kind of indiscriminately just shoot up the whole town he burns a gas station. He burns a lot of local businesses. I feel like he that- causes more. Uh, 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 there's a lot more destruction of the uh, property variety uh, it- than the people variety, and I know that would make police really upset uh, since that's what they actually protect. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it just it seemed. Uh, it 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 sort of seemed like his anger was misplaced. I was all for him, you know, targeting the police that was targeting him. But what, you know, it's a mom and pop craft store. Why are you, why are you, why are you setting it on fire? Um, so some of that stuff at the end just felt like, okay, so we, we need some action. This is an action movie. So we need some set pieces here. We need to show off how badass he is. So will give him the biggest gun a biggest gun that the military has ever produced i mean the gun is fucking massive I, it was so comically <laughs> was it large it was so big I, I i don't think i've ever seen a gun this big before probably have but no it's not an m16 they say what it is i, I think you, they do say an Veronica m16 and I are big gun experts because yes he asks the truck driver yeah. what, what's in the back uh but i forgot what it was I think, yeah, he said it was an M16, I think. But anyway, it just, there is where I kind of felt uh, like the movie was doing more, you know, by the numbers, action sequences, I suppose. Well, it's, I mean, it is, it is, you know, fulfilling its promise. Uh, this this is a man who can, who can deliver a, like a one-man war. That's what he's trained to do. Right. And I did enjoy the movie. I enjoyed seeing, oh, yeah, that's how he disrupts. He distracts all the law enforcement people by having them go this way. Then he creates another distraction over here. I did, kind, I did enjoy watching him do that. I think maybe there is some murkiness 
at the end. Um, and uh, a lot of the contemporaneous reviews criticized the ending. And that was the part they had the hardest time with. And I think it boils down to them not like not being sure how sympathetic Rambo is, how sympathetic Teasel is. Um, and something that the movie's like, oh, they're just like two men who, you know, whatever, uh, living in the system they've been trained in. Um, but yeah, there was a, uh, uh, the original ending was same as the book. Rambo was going to get killed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do get that. But to give you an idea of how different this franchise went. So uh, I have a list of the amount of on-screen kills by John Rambo in each movie. <laughs> Um, first movie, again, every list has him as only killing one person. He definitely kills more people. He, like, you know, <laughs> like, he pushes that one car into the other car, and it explodes. And may, if that other car was empty, the people in the first car definitely exploded. <laughs> like, and am I, I crazy? I mean, I'm sure there are people in that gas station, too. I We can accept that it's closed. All right. Uh, so... <laughs> Rambo 1 to Rambo, or First Blood to Rambo, colon. Let's also have fun. I'm going to read all the titles because that's the other most famous thing about this movie franchise. The insane uh, uh, titling conventions. First movie, same title as the book. First Blood. Second movie, Rambo, colon, First Blood Part 2. Now this movie, Rambo Kills. Do you have a guess? Veronica, give me a guess. Well, I think I know that it's one of the bloodiest, like, movies ever, right? It has, like, the highest, or something like that, I feel like I read. Uh, I would say 450 people. Okay, I jumped a little high too fast. Uh, (laughs) Second movie, Rambo kills 75 people. Oh, okay, that's tame. That's nothing. That's what? That's That's a lot of... (laughs) That's like two buses fall. That's, come on. All right, all right. A different reaction than I expected, but that's fine. That's your reaction. All right, third movie. Uh, The title is now simply Rambo 3. The first blood is gone. It's just Rambo 3. I would Uh, love for first blood is gone to be part of the title. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, first blood is already dried up at this point. He's he's three movies in. Um, All right. Guess how many people does he kill in this movie? Uh, 207. 115. You keep going too high, which makes the reveal less fun. I'm sorry. Okay. I will go low. I will anticipate less. <laughs> but yes, he kills 115 in Rambo 3. Mm-hmm. Next, we are Rambo 4. And I think this is uh, this is one of the more recent ones, I think. Right? This was the first of the recent ones. Yes. Rambo 4 is from 2008. There was a long break. Between Rambo 3 and Rambo 4. Rambo 4 is 2008. Uh, uh, How many people do you think John Rambo kills in Rambo 4? It has to be less. Okay, I will say 99 people. 254. Oh, no. I was entirely wrong. I thought for some reason that the second Rambo was the bloodiest of them all, but apparently no, not at all. no, no. Um, then we uh, have the final Rambo, uh, which came out in what was it, 2017 or something? Oh God, uh, there some... was one. Oh Jesus! 
He's he's very very old. That's the the final one is the one where he it's 2019, and that's where the one where he kills uh, uh, Mexican drug cartels. Oh, and um, I've never seen it. I heard it comes across as very racist. Um, uh, I, I would also be. imagine that the depictions <laughs> of Vietnamese and Cambodians in other in the other sequels are great as well. But all right, what's your guess for Rambo: Last Blood? Oh God, it has to be more now. I feel like. Uh, 303. Now, you are actually incorrect. He is an older man. He drops down. Rambo Last Blood, he only kills 46 human beings. Oh my god, I've been so off this entire time. 43 Um, people? That's nothing. That's less than a bus full. What is wrong with you, Rambo? Uh, also, it, in one of the movies, it said that he had 59 confirmed kills during the entire Vietnam War. <laughs> wow. wow. So that means that he has killed 490 people on screen throughout his film career. Add the 59 during the Vietnam War, 552. Um, so, yeah, wow. thank you to... What is the source on this article? Is it Mr. Um, Skin? Yeah, this is Mr. Skin. Skin. And I was, uh, I've been jerking off the entire time I've been reading this. Oh, Um, yeah. I I meant to say your camera is on, John. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is the Rambo uh, fan Wikipedia. um, But the sources are. Fanbos? I hope. Um, The sources uh, is from this thing, and I can't tell what the source is from. So sorry, someone someone counted all of those, and God bless you. Um, all right, do you you got anything else to say about First Blood? No, I guess you know. Looking forward to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, um, I don't have much else to say. Uh, let's give this thing a, a, a let's give it a little grade. All right. Three. All right. Two, one, B minus. All there, right. we're back on target. <laughs> the signature off by half. All right, Veronica, what, what else have you watched recently? Uh, well, John, since we last talked, what have I seen? Oh, boy, I've seen a lot of stuff, so I will be quick. I've seen Decision to Leave, uh, which... I thought it was not as good as The Handmaiden. I saw Ticket to Paradise, which I thought was not as good as Ocean's Eleven. Uh, I saw uh, Night of the Demons, which I had no expectations for. And Wait, the original? <laughs> yeah. I oh, saw well, that is a weird, fun movie. It's a weird, Evil Dead ripoff kind of nonsense. Yes, it was... Uh, it was very surprising in, in for many reasons. I also saw it in uh, a film noir theater in Greenpoint, which is run by a very eccentric Polish dude. Uh, that is so. Fu- what what led you to see that one? Uh, I went there for a Halloween party. There was a Halloween costume party at the film. It noir. is specifically a Halloween movie. Yeah, so they were showing a secret movie. We didn't know ahead of time what it would be, and it was that. Uh, I, I'm yeah, sorry, to, it, I'm just so tickled because this is so much more like a movie I would have seen. 
<laughs> oh, no, it was great. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I saw The Banshees of Inna Sharon, uh, which I did enjoy, but not as much as other people who seem to really, really enjoy it, where I appreciated the metaphor, but maybe missed the humanity. Uh, I rewatched Rush Hour and thought it held up pretty well. I yeah. rewatched My Best Friend's Wedding and thought that it was awful, 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 awful movie. <laughs> Uh, I saw uh, the weird colon, the weird Al Yankovic story, which I thought was pretty fun. Uh, and I saw Armageddon Time, which made me super, super sad. Uh, and those were the movies I saw. But sad in a good way? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh... I, because again, we're coming off Halloween, uh, so I saw a lot of horror movies. So I'm going to do those quick, but let me do the, my non-horror ones first. Um, I saw Triangle of Sadness. Loved it. Um, what's the director's name? Osland? Uh, yes, yeah. Osland. Um, yeah, I uh, uh, I love, uh, out of his three movies that I've seen, um, Force Majeure is my favorite. The Square, I like but didn't really love. And then this one is closer to the first than the latter. Mm. Um, I don't know that anything could beat uh, Force Majeure, but this one was real fun. Um, and then I finally saw RRR. Oh. Oh, oh. Was, yeah. <laughs> the uh, uh, three-hour uh, 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 <laughs> three movie uh, from India. Um uh, it's, it's, yeah, a, a guy throws a tiger at another guy. Um, Ooh. yeah, it's, it's, if you've heard of this movie, the people who are describing it, what they said is accurate. If what they said is what you want to see, then yeah, it's three hours of, uh, uh, male friendship and insane action sequences and some dance scenes. Really, I mean, very good dance You have to have some dancing, according yeah. to my um, Indian co-workers. Uh, and everything else is a horror movie. So I'm going to try to blow through this. I forget where I ended during our last episode. Um, so I'll just say, uh, saw the layer of the white worm. That's weird and fun. Liked it. Uh, in the mouth of badness. Also weird and fun. Um, both of these movies, I wish they were a little better, but I had a fun time watching it. Uh, on Halloween the day, I had friends over and we had a slumber party massacre marathon. Um, we watched all of them except for part three because I could not find it. Uh, so we watched the original, which I have always loved. The second one, which is truly insane. And the 2021 remake, um, which is a fascinating movie. Uh, Veronica, you know anything about the Slumber Party Massacre franchise? Uh, uh, I know that someone dies at a slumber party. <laughs> Well, that's context clues right there. <laughs> uh, the Summer I'm Party Massacre like movie, uh, briefly, um, uh, one of the only horror franchises, famously, every entry is written and directed by women. Um, the original script was written uh, by the feminist author Rita Mae Brown, written as a feminist parody of slasher movies. <laughs> However, um, when Roger Corman bought it, he was like, yeah, okay, whatever, but you got to put a lot of tits in it. <laughs> um, so it is a very, a movie that goes back and forth when you're like, this is the most exploitative crap ever, 
but I think it's a satire. Like, it's a, a fascinating series. Then the second one is an insane nightmare on Elm Street ripoff uh, with a dream killer who's also a rock and roller rockabilly guy who is played by the son of a billionaire. Uh, it's very insane. But so the third third one, uh, the, the remake, the fourth one, um, came out a few years ago. And uh, again, written, directed by a woman who tried to really for the first time, really pushed the idea of making it a feminist parody of slasher movies. Um, and it has one genuinely great idea. Uh, and I know it's a great idea because it was similar to a script I wrote. So <laughs> I better think it's a good idea. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, after that one main joke, uh, it kind of falls apart. That one was a bit of a disappointment. Sorority House Massacre, boring. Prom night, you get to see Jamie Lee Curtis and Leslie uh, 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 Leslie Nielsen disco dance together. Can't argue with that. Uh, <laughs> Cube, I finally saw the first Cube. I thought it was boring. Sorry. Um, and then to really annoy the horror Drum fans roll. in Drum the roll. audience, Terrifier Two, the big. The big uh, little movie that could, that all the horror fans loved. Boring as fuck. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Just gross gore is not enough. Uh, it is a it is a two hour, 18 minute slasher movie without an idea. <laughs> it has a dream sequence at the in the first act that has no plot purpose other than to be a spooky dream sequence. That dream sequence Nine minutes long. Wow. At the 80-minute point, it is still introducing supporting characters. It's two if hours like... and 18 minutes? Yes. Wow. Two hours and 18 minutes. Wow. No plot. Uh, there are two reasons to see this movie. Reason one, if you like incredible practical gore effects and don't need anything else, <laughs> if if that's all you need... And you will be satisfied. You don't need good dialogue. Uh, you don't need your horse movies to be scary in any way. Just gross practical effects, then go. The only other reason to see it is if you're a New Yorker who wants to see an entire set piece take place in the Abracadabra costume store on 21st in Manhattan. <laughs> other than that, skip that movie. Not good. Um, and yeah, that's all I've seen recently. Wow, I I did I was unaware that there was a terrifier one. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, cool. Well, that sounds hella spooky, John. I'm spooked. <laughs> yeah, I uh, oh boy, I'm still scared. I'm still scared that I uh, wasted 2 hours and 18 minutes of my time on this earth watching that movie. I here's the thing. I wasted more cuz I fell asleep during the first time I watched it. That's how <laughs> very scary it is i fell asleep and then i was like well fuck i gotta finish it so the next morning i watched the last half hour on 1.75 speed oh god <laughs> oh yeah i've never watched uh, i've never sped watched a movie uh, uh i it's not a good sign if that's what i was doing <laughs> No, for sure not. I didn't even know we had that functionality as a society to do. I mean, I guess well, you were I, I in didn't your see computer. it. I wasn't in a theater. I wasn't like projectionist. I have a request. Oh no, I I get that part. Uh, no, I was. Does Netflix allow you to do that, or was it on your computer? 
It was on my computer. Oh, okay. Sorry. This was a, a, a huge derailment, but I'm curious. No, no. Do you think... Uh, I know there are people who listen to podcasts fast. Do you think anyone listens to this podcast fast? As long as they listen. That's all I care. <laughs> Fair enough. So if you're listening right now, and I sound like this, that's fine. We're just happy you're listening. Exactly. Thank you so much, dear listener. Well, John, <laughs> are you excited about what's coming next? I am. What, what, what is coming up in two weeks? Well, well, let's be honest. The number one at the box office in two weeks is going to be the same as what's number one at the box office this coming week. Yes, uh, most likely. It's going to be, uh, you know, a passing of the torch for one black movie to another. So Black Adam has been the number one movie in the box office. <laughs> yeah, to be clear, she's weeks. talking about the titles. Black yes, Adam, yes, yes. the Black Panther. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, to uh, Black Panther, thank you, John, colon, Wakanda Forever, colon, First Blood, part three. Uh, and uh, yeah, so presumably it would be very, you know, empowering as a woman. And uh, I'm, 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 I'm curious as to who is going to be the new Black Panther. I have my theories. Um, yeah, I have my Shuri's, um, <laughs> that's a character's name, right? Uh, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. And hey, you know what? Maybe it'll be an interesting continuation of, uh, uh, the conversation we had today about the politics of the major franchises currently being churned out by this American culture. But that will be a conversation that we can have another day. Yes. Um, probably that episode will be less uh, just us talking about politics because we won't be recording it on election night. Unless there's a special election. Who knows? Yeah, or the country burns down. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe you'll hear that episode. Maybe you'll hear the thudding of jackbooting soldiers marching the streets, collecting us. Uh, for not watching the Daily Wire Die Hard in a School Shooting movie. But if Rambo taught us anything, is that they will be traumatized in several years. So there's that. Wow, that's the kind of bright spot we're finding these days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to uh, bid a toot-toot to you, John, on that note. <laughs> And I will toot toot back to you. Is that how we use that now? <laughs> I don't know. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>